Super Bowl 58 is coming up Sunday. You can hear that game, Westwood One's coverage of Super Bowl 58 right here on 105.7 The Fan. But let's talk some football and life right now as we head out to the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Brandon Copeland uh, played at high school ball at Gilman, went to Gilman, then went to UPenn, played for the Ravens, and now he's the CEO of the the Athletes Organization. And Brandon joins us now. Brandon, uh, thanks so much for joining us as always. I guess let's start here. Let the people know what the Athletes Organization is. Yeah, well, first and foremost, thanks for having me. I can tell you, you know, when you do a few interviews, the the best interviews in the world are when you're able to do it with your hometown, with people that are right up the street and know the life that you've lived. And so, uh, again, it's a great pleasure um, to be here talking to you guys today. What, what athletes.org is, is the Players Association for College Athletes. Right now, what we're seeing is a monumental shift in college mm-hmm. athletics. You're seeing um, court cases and legal proceedings heating up where people are suing the NCAA. You just recently had Dartmouth men's basketball um, players classified as employees by the National Labor Relations uh, Board. And so uh, right now, more than ever, college athletes need their own players association, people that can that are advocating for them and on their behalf so that they can come out with the, the most equitable situation and favorable situation for them. And so with athletes.org, we've started that players association. We have a number of uh, power five athletes and and power five and and even non-power five athletes signed up who believe in us, who trust in us. And we not only maximize their income, uh, but we've done and amplified their voices. And we are also giving them on-demand support. So uh, what that really looks like is any athlete, can come to our platform right now for free, and we've already negotiated on their behalf free contract review, free background checks, free second medical opinions, because right now, especially with NIL, athletes are going pro earlier. And for me, as a 10-year NFL veteran, I hated seeing my peers taken advantage of, and I hated being taken advantage of myself. And so we've really tried to make sure that we can wrap our our arms around some of our youngest and and brightest leaders of our our world to make sure that we're answering our mission of impacting athletes to impact the world. Well, for the longest time, Brandon, the NCAA uh, exploited and capitalized off of uh, young athletes more than anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. Where do you think that this is going? Could we see the advent of – like a G League type thing in other sports like football that eventually give players even more options and with these court cases still to come and, and you know, some of these schools may be feeling like they, they're not going to be able to compete with the true power five schools in a sport like football. How much do you think this landscape could change in the next 10 years? Yeah, I think everything is on the table. And when I say everything, I mean everything. I think you can see potentially some of your favorite college teams splitting from their universities and and basically operating like pro teams. Mm. Um, I think you could see uh, a couple of conferences or multiple conferences joining together in one super or subdivision, so to speak, and and operating like their own league, per se. Um, And I also think that there are certain structures and certain things that do necessarily, you know, stay the same or stay um, as we know and as we quote-unquote love, so to speak. And so um, the one thing about athletes.org, and, and I think with our, our differentiator here in this 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 monumental time, because there's other people in the other organizations that have tried to come out with players associations or unions for, for athletes, is we are sitting down and getting the perspectives of everyone that 
is involved in this potential future of college athletics. And I think that the the key thing that I've learned by hearing those different perspectives and experiences and, you know, if you do one thing here, how that actually affects, you know, has a ripple effect of 10 other things that we weren't necessarily thinking about is uh, no one, genuinely, no one really knows how this thing will shake out. But what we're doing with athletes.org is calling all of those leaders to the table to sit across the table from athletes to figure it out, right? Um, right now, there's so much red tape and legal proceedings and, and, you know, legal jargon thrown into these things that it is unfortunately stifling conversation. Hmm. And we are leading conversations amongst our athletes, but also athletic directors, conference commissioners, the NCAA, school presidents, and, and everyone. And that is the only way we will have the best outcome for the athletes, but also for the world and fans when it comes to the sports that they know and love. Yeah, Brandon, I guess it seems a little bit like the wild, wild west right now with the NCAA and NIL. I, I saw the other day Rick Patino tweeted out saying that college basketball needs a salary cap. Uh, could mm-hmm. you ever see that in NCAA? Yeah, yeah, I, I could foresee that. You know, it's funny, again, going back to some of the conversations I've had with people, it's like, you know, I would think, you know, coming from the NFL, I would think that having that parity, right, would ultimately be something that a lot of college athletic leaders and administrators look to as like, yeah, this is good. We know the rules of the game, and we all know that we're playing with the same set of circumstances. However... For some, that would be really, really good, like Rick, right? <laughs> and for others, some are like, hey, this is competition. <laughs> Whatever we can do to get an edge, we're going to do it. We want to win. We want to win. We want to win. And so um, I can see, and I think, you know, I, I can definitely see a future where a salary cap, more transparency, a standard and rules and transfers and all these different things, benefits and all those things, similar to the way it operates at the pro level, is extremely advantageous for college athletics overall. You're someone um, who made, you know, fi- financial literacy, right? It was It's been a calling for you, and you were on Wall Street while you were still early in your, your playing career and, and spending your off-seasons in a different way um, than, than a lot of your, your brethren. Um I guess you probably knew this was a calling for you early on and that as you gained the expertise you did that you wanted to share this with other athletes? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that, you know, I I would have never, first and foremost, like just taking even a step backwards, I go to my my class. We're in our sixth year teaching at UPenn, and I tell them at the beginning of the semester, like I would, if if you saw me as a student here at Penn, I would have never told you I'd come back and (laughs) be teaching here. Right. Um, And, and even years into the league before I decided to do it, I, I never saw myself doing that. And I think, you know, it's similar when it comes to running a players association, right? Like I I would have never pinpointed this or I didn't write this on a vision board years ago, but I think that my life and the experiences that I've had have led to this, right? I've always advocated for players. I've always tried to make sure that players were well-educated and, and understood their benefits, understood um, their opportunities and understood the leverage that they had in conversations. I've always led classes for NFL players and welcomed the world into those classes as well, too. And so, um, so 
athletes.org and running that is a natural step forward. And I think the beautiful thing is for me personally, what, what wakes me up and makes me feel more and more purpose um, and, and makes me chase this mission that we are, are going after of impacting athletes to impact the world is we will make and create more millionaires. We will make and create more people who are, are better funded in their lifestyles as a result of the work that we are doing and the advocation that we're doing. And, and not, it's not about, well, yes, it is about the money. I won't sit here and lie. Like it's not about the money, but, but it's more also about like what those athletes are able to do with that money. Right. It's to me, it is tragic when you see guys from the university of Alabama or Michigan or all these schools and they go out and they play and on these great stages and everyone in the stadium is making money. Even the people that can bet on the game is make are making money and people hoisting trophies and the sponsors and all those things. And uh, some of these kids, not all of them, but some of them, and I shouldn't even say kids, some of these athletes, cause they're grown adults, these athletes have to go home after that. And that is the highlight of their lives, right? Like they have to leave multi-million dollar facilities and they get to show nothing of it, but the great memory of playing in that game that one time and imagine what they could do with, some of the money that they help earn in their pockets, right? And, and again, it's, it doesn't have to be, uh, it, I'm not going to sit here and put out the numbers or the split or the percentage. It's just called equitable compensation, right? Uh, I think that that's all we're advocating for. And the way we set up athletes.org specifically is we are not a union. We are a players association. However, we have a chapter strategy that allows athletes, when they sign up, they are divided up into their chapter based on their sport and their conference. And that is extremely important because by us having these different chapters, the ACC chapter for men's basketball, the ACC chapter for women's basketball, for example, the ACC chapter for men's football, uh, it allows us to target those specific issues. Hmm. And if necessary, those specific chapters can be the launch pads for the union for those specific athletes, right? We cannot paint one stroke and think that me, Brandon Copeland, as a University of Pennsylvania Ivy League football player, deals with the same set of issues as a University of Alabama football right. player. It is different, right? And so we need to be honest about that, and we have been honest about that. And although the resources that we provide, all those things I said earlier to protect athletes and to give them knowledge and access and what we call knowledge, access, and protection, that is for everybody. That is for every single athlete that, that comes into our platform, even high school athletes who are committed to play in college and their parents. But we need to make sure that we are addressing each individual chapter's issues individually. And that's what we've set up the infrastructure for and what we are actively doing. Brandon Copeland, thank you so much for your time. Continued success to you and, and, and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Stay blessed. Thank you, sir. Hey, coming up next, the, uh, the Baltimore Orioles have themselves a new lease, and it looks like they're going to have themselves new owners. We're going to talk about it with the comptroller of the state of Maryland, Brooke Learman, next here on The Fan. Jason is an Odyssey NFL insider. Jason Lockin' for. Jason Lockin' for one of the best in the business. Ken and Tim prefer Adam Schefter. What are we doing here? Inside Access, 105.7 The Fan. <laughs> 
The Orioles have themselves a new lease, and they're going to have new owners. And let's head out to the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Joining us to talk about is the Comptroller of the State of Maryland, Brooke Learman. And Brooke, thank you so much for joining us. I guess let's start with this. Looking back, the fact that John Angelos didn't show up to the press conference announcing the signing of the lease, maybe that was some insight that something else was going on? Well, one never knows, but, you know, we got it done and um, it was a great, you know, it's a great deal for the state. Excited to be a part of it and so glad the Orioles will continue to call Baltimore and Maryland home for for the foreseeable future. Well, and that's, I I guess, kind of really like, I don't want to say the ends justifies the means, and I'm sure there's a lot of things that could have been done differently, but it it feels like the, the, the overarching goals here were accomplished right and and no yeah, one yeah, no, no one really in the in the public sector is going to care that much about how the sausage is made as long as the right sausage is eventually made right yes right as long as a good yes it's uh and and i and i do you know these deals are complex um you know i was in constant touch with the governor's office the treasurer was as well you know we were constantly laying out you know i was explaining my non-negotiables we were talking about it and at the end of the day, we came to an agreement, and we're really proud of that deal and really proud the Orioles will remain and really excited about the new leadership that is coming in um, to invest in our team, which ultimately is also an investment in our state, right? So yeah. it's, it's, it's all, you know, all signs are, are putting up. It's great. Speaking of the investment in the state, uh, part of the lease agreement the Orioles have till 2027 to come up with the developmental plans. Uh, I would assume that those rights now go to Rubenstein, and could Rubenstein ultimately not want any part of that? Uh, could the lease still get the additional fifteen? How would that work? Certainly. So the we when we drafted the lease and we finalized it, you know we, you know we had some inkling that a sale would happen, right? I mean we're you know we wanted to make sure that we were protecting ourselves in the situation we found ourselves in December, but also in future scenarios that we could imagine. And so all of the conditions from that lease transfer to the new ownership. And as part of that, you know we said, okay, well you can come back, uh, you know at that point it was John Angelos, you can come back Orioles and you can um, share with us your idea for a development, what you think it should be. And we will then consider it um, rather than just handing over a sort of like, go for it. Um, So they have to come back, you know, tell us what they are interested in, uh, what they want to do um, and make the case. And it could be that, you know, Mr. Rubenstein wants to do that or he might not want to do that. Um, But either way, uh, he also has the option of ensuring that this deal does become, um, does stay as a, you know, operate for 30 years versus 15, um, whether there is a development deal or not. We're talking to Brooke Learman. It's inside access here on the fan. Brooke, I have to ask you a sports-ish question. I think at one of the press conferences, you made a comment about going and getting a starting pitcher now that the lease is done. So so I, I assume you're happy with the Corbin Burns trade. I am happy. And, you know, it's funny. I caught a, a Brewers game this summer when I was uh, out in Milwaukee with some family. And so I was I was very excited to hear about it. I mean, it's exact. I think it's it just will supplement what we you know, the incredible team we already have. And I think it brings a, a great new energy to the team as well to know that we have somebody as his as his caliber who's going to you know be on the mound for us. Were you doing advanced scouting? Is that what you were doing out there? <laughs> <laughs> I wish that that was part of my job description <laughs> well uh, 
Brooke, as as we move forward, I, I guess how eager are you and and some of your your colleagues in in the government here to I guess get to know. I'm sure you know probably some. This is a big ownership group, so I'm sure you know Kurt Schmoke, yeah. Cal Ripken. There's certain people you may have yeah. more relationship with than others, but I guess how, how eager are you guys to learn a little bit more ab- about their collective vision um, on field and off? Yeah, I mean, I think you know. Look, we want to be good partners. We're always looking for good partners, and the Baltimore Orioles are such an integral part of the success of the city. Um, And it's just, it's an incredibly important partnership. You know, we are so fortunate to have the best stadium in baseball. um, And we have this unique structure where the state owns the stadium and we make sure that it is maintained uh, to the level that we all need it to be maintained in. And, and of course we work with the Orioles as partners. And so we're excited to get to know the new owners. I have the pleasure of of knowing president Schmoke and, um, and have met uh, uh, Cal Ripken a couple times that, uh, you know, love his foundation and the work that they mm-hmm. do around the city of Baltimore to build fields, which have been incredible. When I was a delegate, we opened one in Cherry Hill and uh, and in Brooklyn. And so, you know, he's been doing incredible work. And, you know, the nice thing is that they really know the city and they understand the communities and they understand how essential it is to have a good partner in the Orioles. And I think it says a lot about, um, you know, Mr. Rubenstein that he saw that and, you know, had the wisdom to really include them in this group um, as he was putting it together and that they were excited to join it says something about about him as well. Is the expectation in the state that this is going to be made officially official by MLB much sooner than later? We're talking weeks, not months. Well, I would certainly hope so. I mean, I think nobody likes to live sort of in a void situation, um, and it's all a little nebulous. But, you know, I know that MLB has a process it needs to go through, and we'll let them get through that. Um, But I know that, you know, we're all excited for opening day. It's, It's coming up, I think. I think pitchers and catchers report next week Mm -hmm. to to Sarasota. And so right around the corner, then we'll be opening day. And certainly it'd be, it would be great to have things, um, you know, buttoned up before then, but it'll happen when it happens. And we're just excited to, to get things going. Yeah. Pitchers and catchers report on Valentine's day. So uh, yes, very exciting. uh, Have you got romance of baseball? Yes. Have you gotten over the Ravens loss yet, Brooke? (laughs) It was a tough, it was a tough game. I was, Excited to be there, um, and uh, but it was a really it was a it was hard to watch. I love our team, I love our players, um, and I'm excited for next season. Um, but I will say, after the sort of tears on you know the the devastating tears that Sunday night to then have this announced that same week, it was you know one from devastating tears to tears of joy. So it was a it was an emotional week for sports fans in Baltimore. Um. Brooke, I, I have um, a soccer fetish, I guess you could call it. I even really like minor league soccer, and I think the USL would be uh, a wonderful addition to our sporting scene here. I know that there are site studies going on at, at Carroll Park and MLS Next and yep. DC United are involved in some of that. Um, I, I guess, we're, we're, what are your feelings uh, about that and how realistic it may be somewhere in Baltimore City to have a five to 7,000 seat facility for outdoor soccer and lacrosse. Yeah, I think it would be, I mean, I think it would be a lot of fun, especially, you know, having something around the Carroll Park area, you know, that's an area there. Um, you know, we want to work with the communities, of course, mm-hmm. to make sure it fits in with their plan for their communities. But it's, I think it would be really exciting. We don't have a stadium that's that configuration or that size really anywhere in central Maryland. And so having something like that, I think would bring, of course, buoy our lacrosse, uh, you know, all the lacrosse games that we have, um, 
it'd be amazing. I, I know I love soccer. It'd be fun to have um, more soccer available. And I think, you know, I think Central Maryland, I think Marylanders from around uh, the region would come yes. to enjoy it, right? It wouldn't, not just Baltimore, there'd be people from all over who would come. So I think it's an exciting idea. I know that there's been some studies done. Um, I think there was one just finished um, last last December, I think, um, on um uh, on a market, uh, on the sort of market site fit and economic impact analysis related to bringing a new multi-use soccer stadium to Baltimore. Um, and so happy, you know, excited to dig into that and learn more about the prospect. Brooke, we also have a show plan of acquiring a G League team. Yeah, we'd like to steal <laughs> with, the go-go. Is it possible yeah. to steal them from the go-go? Yeah, can yes, you help we us want steal to steal the go-go. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you want all the, all the teams. Yes. All the teams. Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Many Mayflower moving vans yes. going towards us, not away from us this time. Brooke, right, right, right. Before we let you go, a simple question. Who is your least favorite wineman? Is it Chip? Is oh, it Dennis? Or is it me? Your least favorite wineman. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the Weinmans. Oh, that's a poli- that's a political answer. A great answer. Maryland family, a great Maryland family who contribute all in amazing and and different ways. So all thank right. you for that. So uh, <laughs> so we'll go with Chip. Okay, thank you, Brooke. Uh, Brooke Learman, Comptroller of the State of Maryland. Thank you so much. Thank for your you. Time. Thank you. Have a good one. I'll see you at opening day. Thanks, thanks. so thanks so much. Uh, coming up next, Weinman Industries taking over the world. Our best bets with Tim Murray from Beeson next year on the Fan. Baltimore Sports, 105.7 The Fan. Super Bowl week is, uh, it's going out there in Vegas. And let's head out to Las Vegas now as we head out on the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Our buddy Tim Murray from Beeston is on Radio Row. And he joins us now. And Tim, good afternoon. Thank you as always for joining us. Is Radio Row in Vegas as crazy as I would imagine it to be? Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's been that crazy. I haven't, I saw the Jabberwockies, uh, walking oh, wow. around dancing. So, uh, that, that was the most Vegasy thing so far. Now, look, it's only Wednesday. So we got right. many more days to go, uh, Monday and Tuesday. You guys have all been to radio row. It's, it's not, you know, Monday, Tuesday, are usually the quieter days. And then it starts to ramp up today is, is definitely the most juicier, but I have not seen anything too crazy. I guess the craziest thing I would say is, there are three slot machines inside Radio mm-hmm. Row, which is kind of hilarious, considering where we've come well, from, what, eight years ago, JLC? Tony Romo tried to have right. a fantasy football convention here in town, and they said, no, you can't yeah. do that. And now I'm standing next to a enormous DraftKings sign. Shout out to my company. And then, you know, you see all the other ones. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, you know, it's just it's just – we have truly come full circle from uh, from all of this. Well, I mean, that's kind of, for me, the most bizarre part of it. Like, if you needed to see, I guess, like, even further proof that, that the world, uh, in terms of the NFL and its relationship with gambling, has changed 9 million percent, it's, it's to literally be holding their signature event in this town at a time where more people are probably talking openly about the ways to bet on this game than they are, you know what I mean? The game itself, like it, it is so intertwined in the conversation. Now it, for an old geezer like me, it, it, it is still kind of baffling. Like I, I do still do a double take. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, the irony is, and we've talked about it uh, on this show is 
you know, you think, and I'm sure a lot of people, when they landed here to cover this Super Bowl, were like, all right, I'm going to bet on everything. Reba McIntyre national anthem, you know, Usher's first song. Can't do any of that here. I mean, Nevada is ridiculously buttoned up from that aspect, right? They want to make sure, you know, they are, uh, you know, ensuring nothing is rigged, right? Like, you know, we're all smart enough to know that could there be things tweaked one way or another on, on a sporting event? Sure, but things that have the answer to the Gatorade color, like you can't bet any of that here. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of the, the irony is I think probably a lot of people, and, and I'll be honest too, you know, I kind of hope the, there's a little bit of backlash from the, the media folks that come here. Cause like you guys there in Maryland, right? You fire up your app. You don't really need to go to a brick and mortar. You can no. deposit via Venmo. It ain't what you could do here. Right. If you came to town right now for this Super Bowl. You know what you have to do? You have to go to a kiosk. You've got to put money on the counter in order to start your app. You have to go to all of these places. So the convenience is actually not great in regards to wanting to, you know, bet mobily here. There's plenty of kiosks all around this Mandalay Bay and all over the place. But I kind of hope that maybe that helps uh, push Nevada a little bit, seeing the flexibility from so many of these other states. Well, let's get to the game, Tim. 49ers, we've seen this spread move. It got as high as two and a half. Now I believe it's at one and a half. Where's the action coming in on, and what's your lean in this game? Yeah, so, Tim, it's it's a, you know fascinating to see so far. So, you know, it's going to be the majority of the action uh, from the typical casual fan is not going to come in until probably Saturday, Sunday. But early action, you know, just from a – uh, handle standpoint from a ticket count standpoint is very heavily based on the Kansas city chiefs, uh, depending, you know, what books you look at. Most of them are going to be on the Kansas city chiefs. You have seen a little bit of line movement as you alluded to. There's one shop here in town still sitting at two and a half uh, with, with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I think you might get a little bit of buyback down towards uh, the Kansas city chiefs, but my initial lean is San Francisco. Have I gotten to the window yet? no, uh, obviously, you guys have talked about it. The world knows it. The numbers for Patrick Mahomes as an underdog are staggering. He's 10-1-1 one one against the spread. He's 9-3 and three straight up. Obviously, everybody in your city knows that he got the most recent one against Baltimore Ravens as an underdog there. Um, but I do look at it this way, guys. These two teams, if you think back to around Christmas, when Baltimore went out to San Francisco, they were, they were an underdog there. And then Kansas City was an underdog at Baltimore. So you kind of do the quick math. And these teams at one point in time were around probably five points different uh, from a power rating perspective on a neutral. And now it's down to two. So has the market adjusted too much in this? Or is that just the tax you have to pay when it comes to Patrick Mahomes? So I think those are all things to you know, contemplate when betting this game. But ultimately, I think I'm going to wait and uh, have myself a San Francisco ticket probably come Sunday. Talking to Tim Murray, it's Inside Access here on The Fan. Tim, anything prop-related that you're all over? All right, so this one's a little weird, but the San Francisco 49ers, they have a gentleman by the name of Christian McCaffrey, right? He's pretty good at football. Okay, they have another gentleman by the name of Debo Samuel, also pretty good at football. I think Kyle Shanahan wants to have those guys touch the ball oh so tim you're going to be on the overs of both of those guys no what we're going to do is we're going to take elijah mitchell 
under one and a half rushing attempts in this game. I don't think unless Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, which he did last week against Detroit. So that's the risk you're taking, obviously. But if McCaffrey stays healthy and even if he were to get dinged up or have have a get a blow, I think they put 19 back there. I think they put Debo Samuel back there. I don't know if Elijah Mitchell's going to get the ball in his hands really at all. So it's kind of a weird one. I heard someone talking about it. Then I asked around a couple 49er guys that I know, and they said, well, Elijah Mitchell, it's not a knock on him, but he should not touch the ball in this game. So under one and a half rushing attempts uh, was, uh, was the prop that uh, jumped to me from a very weird, uh, weird standpoint. You doing any college hoops uh, action, or yeah, are you pretty much all? You got any plays there? Yeah, you know we got to we got to got to get back into it. We had uh, we had Colorado State last night, which was good. I love me some Mountain West tonight. Uh, we're gonna go to the dunk up in Providence. Uh, we're gonna take the Friars. They were in Paris okay. over the weekend uh, by Villanova. Went to went to Philly, got smashed. Uh, so I think back at the dunk. Very good home court advantage. Take it on Creighton, a team who is also coming off a loss to Butler. So I don't love that. I wish Creighton was coming off a nice win. Be a little fat and happy. But I'm getting points with Providence at home. Uh, I'm going to take the two with the Friars tonight. I'll give you one more. No line on it yet. Tomorrow, we're taking UAB against Florida Atlantic. Okay. Florida Atlantic has been massively overvalued this year after what they had, the run that they had last year. Revenge spot home dog, all the things that I love. So uh, keep an eye out for UAB tomorrow. They should be around a six or seven point underdog to Florida Atlantic. Tim Murray lets people know what's going on at Visa. Yeah, every weeknight. Catch me at uh, 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern time on uh, on Visa. We're down at the Circa. So uh, we wish you guys were out here. Yeah. It's all right. We had, yeah. to, uh, we had to adapt. And don't worry, uh, hopefully for, for my pocketbook, Mr. Uh, Mr. Purdy will get revenge for those Ravens. Tim, thanks, buddy. Enjoy. We'll talk to you next week. All right, boys. Thanks, buddy. Coming up next, T-Bone Time, TMI with TIM. What you got? Said it yesterday, this morning. Did a Pilates class Mm. with Melissa Kim. Melissa's going to be joining us at 5 to give her side of the story of how it went. But I'll give you my side of the story of how the Pilates class went next on Inside Action. Hot takes from the guy behind the glass. I'm in a glass case of emotion. TMI with TIM. TMI. TMI, my friends. Inside Access. 1057 The Fan. It's T-Bone time. TMI with TIM and the floor is yours. Made the trek to Fell's Point this morning to join Melissa Kim for a Pilates class. And she said, get there like 10, 15 minutes early because, you know, you got to sign waivers, do the paperwork, all of that stuff. So I got there. Yeah, waivers. Oh, yeah. Medical stuff? Oh, Signing man, your life away? I'm just saying. If, I if got you die, it's class, not their fault. How yeah, advanced exactly. of a Pilates class? I heard you got thrown in the deep end. Yes. So I show up and they're like, oh, have you been to this place before? I said, no. And they said, oh, well, have you done Pilates before? I, I said, no. And they were like, ooh, ugh. Like, it made, like, a face, like, like you're, you sure you want to stay? You're, you're in for one. And then the uh, uh, trainer came, and she was even mentioning, like, oh, this is a fast-paced class. Like, get ready for it. It was their AAA class. 
Hmm. Arms, abs, ass. Nice. So, yeah, we used a reformer machine, I think is what it was called. So you had your own machine? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, No, your own machine with, like, all these, like, levers, and there was, like, a box and a hand. Like, it was a very interesting How many people were in the class? Fifteen to twenty, maybe. Was Melissa like the? Was she like the? Um, ooh, ooh, pick me. Was she like yeah. the show off? Well, was, there was. Was there she was, the prize pupil? Well, it wasn't necessarily like that. Um, but she was a veteran. I mean, she knew everybody there. Like everyone knew her. Oh yeah, she's there every day, all, right? Yeah, I, yeah, pretty much. And and some of those, I was the only guy in the class. Some it's of the not girls, a bad thing. You say it like it's a bad thing. Some of the girls stayed after and did a second one, but no, it was like a very. High energy, high pace type thing. I think I held my own. I, I think I went there, did not embarrass myself. The trainer even said afterwards, she said that I killed it. Uh-huh. I didn't. I think she was partly I would just say saying you, that. I, I would know. say I killed it instead of I held my own. Well, I, I mean, Ken, I'm not confident enough uh, to say that. To say on, I we're, talking about, we're talking about me. So, <laughs> uh, speaking of holding your own, so you wore leggings? Did you go did. with the leggings? I did. Well, you're not on Instagram. I made. I told him. Oh, okay. Yeah, I made Melissa Kim's story because she typically. I mean, Ken said thirst trap. I don't think it's thirst trap. Oh yeah, she, she posts those thirst traps every no, day. I, I don't think. Yeah. So. Go but to Melissa Kim on Instagram. She'll post a picture, you know, mirror selfie. So this one, she, you know, got me. I was wearing the leggings, dude. I was yeah, rocking was, the leg. But he was also wearing a hooded sweatshirt, no tank top. That you so, requested. No, no, you didn't go bare chested. Yeah. I, I did not go bare chested. I did take off the sweatshirt in the middle of the class. Yeah. Um, Got some oohs and ahs when you did. Oh, yeah. The whole it class. kind of brought everything to a screeching halt. The whole class halt. stopped. They were like, did you say, ladies, stop staring? Late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no pictures. So, what did Melissa, how did she grade you afterwards? I mean, she must have, like, given you. Uh, she, she some some feedback. She was impressed. Was she like eagle eyeing you? Was she like watching to see how good or bad um, you were doing? I, it? I think she was. She's trying to get me to come back. Were you like her. next to each other? Like oh, what we was were the right layout? Next to each other. We were right next to each other. And apparently, there's like a hot room, like a, a hot yoga room. Yeah, so I, I think I'm gonna do that next. I bet it gets stinky in there. I, yeah, I can imagine. It was pretty hot in the room that we were at, sweating and. So what do they fun. charge for this? I didn't get charged. Oh, I did forget to mention. They did charge me $15 for a single pair of socks, which... That's a lot of money for socks. That's a lot. Yeah. It, it's I like go to Marshall. What are these like socks doing for you? It's like non-slip. Like they have the grip they have on like the, the little, bottom. Oh, yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah, if you, you know go to like about. when you take the kids to like fun zone yes, and they have to exact, wear the... Sky you, zone. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sky, yeah. Zone. sky zone. Same exact sock. $15. So that was the only thing. And I guess Melissa gets like guest passes, but... I did go on the website. It's not cheap. Mm. I bet it's not. It's not cheap. But, I mean, they got great. How many people were in the class? I'd say like 15 to 20. And you were the only guy. I was the only guy. Melissa did say that there are guys that do come to the uh, classes, Mm -hmm. but no one was there at that time. So, I don't know. Maybe she was. So, you're going to go back? Yeah, I'll go back. Next week? Yeah. I mean, if she if she'll have me, I don't want to like blow through her guest passes. But well, it could be better to use a guest guest pass on than the, the bone. bone. Eh? No, I'm with you. The bone and leggings and fifteen dollars socks. Leggings, yeah. I, that's a date. She she didn't mention anything about the leggings, so I'll ask her about that. Oh no, don't worry. So we'll you save yeah. the yeah. socks, right? You keep the socks. <laughs> so now you've got them. Yeah. yeah, damn straight. I'm keeping it's like the a socks. pizza. Yeah. They're probably comfy around the house too. I guess. Nah, Who knows? They really aren't great. I mean, huh. it's just like non-slip. Like that's all it is. 
What would you compare it for us inflexible guys? Like, <sighs> what would you question. compare what you did to? Uh, How hard would it have been for us? Oh, it would have been impossible for me. It was, dude. You're doing some serious like I, abs, arms, and some buttocks work. Did I mean, you ever think you were going to break wind? No, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I made sure, you know, take care of that prior to getting to the... Were oh. you, like, really hungry after? Does it make you hungry? I was pretty hungry. We went to a coffee shop afterwards. Yeah. That's not yeah. food. Well, we we got some bakery goods. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, right. You know. And we'll coffee. goods and coffee. You know, you know coffee shops are my thing. Oh, uh, yeah. You are I all think, about the coffee I think shop. the bone <laughs> could have a shot picking up a glue guy. No, I think so. Melissa if was... If you stick with this. Melissa was talking about that yeah. during our coffee talk. We'll ask her about it. Melissa Kim's so, going to join us at 5 o'clock. We'll yeah. get the real story yes. from her coming up at 5. But coming up next here on the program... What the hell happened to the Ravens in the AFC Championship game? Aaron Schatz, uh, he's the chief analytics officer of FTN Fantasy. He said the Ravens this year were one of the great DVOA teams of all time. Mm -hmm. We'll get to the bottom of it with him next here on The Fan.